Welcome, friends. You are listening to the Mind Body Alchemy podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Miramontes. This is where intuition meets education in the realms of spirituality, fitness, mindset, and more, all to create lasting change. Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks so much for being here. Today, I am going to give you two of my best strategies for making progress more quickly. When it comes to losing weight using a non-diet approach, the narrative surrounding that is that weight loss is so slow, but I beg to differ. What is slow, however, is yo-yo dieting, and so is changing your psychology while creating new habits that actually feel like they're a habit. But that doesn't mean you can't make progress until you've changed your habits permanently, because it's a process part of changing the habit is practicing the process required to get there. And practicing the process can also provide results. One of the ways that people screw themselves is thinking they have to change their mindset around everything before they can take any action on doing something or thinking if they just check the boxes by doing something that eventually it will change their mindset. Neither is true. It really takes working on both at the same time. So how do we begin to make progress and not lose our drive to keep on going while we're in this process of changing the way that we think and behave? Well, that's what you're going to learn. Before I give you all the goods, I have to let you know that the moment you have all been waiting for is right around the corner. The doors to Unstuffed open on October 4th. You do not want to sit on the fence until the last day because we have some very cool bonuses for those of you who are ready to take action right now. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the episode, but for now, mark your calendars because we are ready for you. All right. There are a few ways to really slow down your progress when it comes to hunger-directed eating and wanting to lose your weight. The most predominant one being the most challenging to let go of, focusing on losing weight as the primary goal, and doing the same diet-like behaviors to monitor that. Things like jumping on the scale, body checking, and obsessively trying on your goal genes. Another that is also very common, but a bit more sneaky, is the idea that you have to have it all figured out in order to see your progress. I'll talk about those diet-like behaviors in another episode because today we are going to talk all about thinking you have to have it figured out in order to make changes and what actually does make changes. Letting go of how you've been trained to see progress is essential. Progress comes in many ways on a hunger-directed eating journey, but I'm not naive enough to believe that the majority of you who start this journey are doing so with no expectation that you will lose some weight along the way. And why wouldn't you? You're aware that all of your overeating, binge eating, snacking, grazing, and going back for seconds, even though you're not hungry, is causing weight gain. It would make sense that if you got those things under control, that the weight would magically fall off. Well, that is the case, but after eliminating the larger, more obvious overeats, people find that they still struggle with the less obvious overeating. What I hear them say is, I thought that after I had stopped binge eating, that I would just lose weight, but I'm about the same. I thought that since I stopped all of my snacking, that I would see more progress by now. I don't understand how I can be eating so much less than I used to, and nothing is changing. This is how our brain biases information. 
It tells us that these great big things are the problem and eliminating them is the solution. And it can't possibly be all of the other little things that don't seem to matter all that much in comparison. This is both correct and incorrect. While some will see success by stopping the binge eating, others will need to stop binge eating and focus on a few other things. But if your only measure of success is how quickly you're losing weight, then eliminating binge eating might not seem all that appealing to you because on some level, it's also helping you. Because of your conditioning, there has to be some kind of trade-off in the way that your body looks to give up that habit. But that's an episode for another day. I'm going to talk about those little things that you're avoiding focusing on, the little things that you are telling yourself aren't that big a deal, that you don't count or won't matter. But this is not an episode about bites, licks, and tastes. This is an episode about the ones that stop progress in its tracks, and we're going to overcome some of those things today. My superpower moment came at a time where I was feeling really defeated about dieting, my body, my willpower, my career as a coach in the health and fitness space. I felt crushed. But when I was feeling that way, I had this real moment of clarity. And in that moment of clarity, I had a decision to make. I could keep doing what I had been doing for decades and try to change my body using the latest, greatest hacks, all the information available. I could peruse the scientific research. I could try to figure out how to be mentally stronger for longer periods of time, or I could surrender. Now I am all in for the mental toughness, but in this moment, the strongest thing that I could do was quit. I said, no more. Many of you have already heard my story, so I'm going to spare you the details today. The reason that I bring it up is because I want to highlight for you that my decision that day led me to make countless more decisions from that place of surrender. And that is what you're going to have to do as well. So that is the powerful tool number one, make decisions, decide what you're going to do, and then stop negotiating with yourself about it. When you join a program like Unstuffed, you'll have a roadmap, you'll have the support, you'll have the coaching, the resources, every single thing you need to succeed, except the power of decision when decisions are hardest to make. You won't have to give up your favorite foods or weigh and measure the things that you eat. You won't have to calculate them or do any math, but you will have to decide. There will be times when you won't be sure if your diet brain is speaking or if you're making excuses or justifying behavior, or if you're truly listening to your body and doing what's best. There will be times where you feel confused while you're learning and the fastest way to get a hold of the confusion and get it out of your way is just to decide. Relationships are complex. Everybody has different rules in their relationships and different rules for different relationships that they have. Your relationship with food is no different. Your relationship with your body is no different. There may be times where a behavior in your relationship is 100% unacceptable and feels like a deal breaker, and other times where that behavior feels absolutely fine. For example, you may have an agreement with your partner that you don't bring up money around your family and friends. That doesn't mean that you have this rule that you never talk about money. It just means that around friends and family, you don't like to talk about it. It feels unacceptable. And at home, in the living room, It's absolutely fine. Diets are like this. They teach us very strict rules to follow in order to see success, but there's no room for nuance and personal decision. Diets are, you can't talk about money ever, and 
there is no room for when it's appropriate and when it's not. And this leaves you powerless when your circumstances don't align with the fairy tale version of perfection. If you think about your relationship with food and your body in those terms, it's very rigid and unrealistic. If you thought about your relationship with your partner in those terms, it would be very rigid and unrealistic. It doesn't mean you don't have hard and fast rules and expectations in your relationship. There are agreements that help you feel safe. That's normal. It builds trust and intimacy. Having those boundaries in your relationship allows you to feel successful. It gives you something to measure your behavior against. There's nothing wrong with having boundaries in your relationship with food as well. Sometimes they're needed. For example, someone who is allergic to peanuts probably has very firm boundaries around eating peanut butter or hanging out with people who are. That is for their own safety. Yes, that's an extreme example, but it shows how your thought about something can make it easy to follow through on or make it feel hard and restrictive and send you into a spiral. I can't tell you how many dieters have talked about standing in front of the pantry eating jars of peanut butter with a spoon uncontrollably because of their deprivation. But someone who is allergic to peanuts would not do that because they think differently about the peanut butter. So if you have a boundary in your relationship with food that you're only going to eat when you're hungry, for example, but then you have an impromptu lunch with your colleagues, you have a decision to make. Should I eat or not? And there's no right or wrong answer. For some of you, the answer is no. Learning to sit with people and allow them to eat while you're not because you're not hungry is a good practice. It's learning to honor and respect your physical cues learning to manage your mind around thinking that maybe you're weird or you're being judged, even if you are, in fact, being judged. If you just ate lunch at your desk, then eating that meal just to avoid the emotional discomfort of someone asking why you're not eating probably doesn't feel like you're honoring your relationship with food or your body. For some of you, the answer should be an easy yes. If you're going to eat in approximately 30 minutes or so anyway, then Learning not to be so rigid and perfect all the time is a good decision. Of course, those are my thoughts about deciding, and you get to have your own. You get to decide what is a reasonable decision for you and what is not, and then you get to like your reasons for it. And this leads me to the second tool that you need to know about. The first is learning just to decide. The second, if you want to make progress more quickly, is being willing to pay the fuck attention. Anytime you make a decision that was rooted in confusion or you had an emotional fear or reaction around, this is your invitation to hold yourself accountable. And I don't mean accountable in the way that you're used to, being an ass to yourself, judging, criticizing, and then making promises to do better without any idea of how, just hoping the gods of willpower will rain down on you in the right moment. But that is not a strategy. I mean accountable in being curious. Curious about the behaviors that you choose and what that led to as an outcome. Once you decided and you follow through on that decision, how did it work out? What did you like about your decision? Did you like it at all? Was it easy or difficult to make? Is it a decision that you would like to make again? Is it a decision that if you made over and over and over again would lead you to success in your journey? These questions that you're asking yourself are there to help you as a guide. If you ask them without shame or judgment and you stay in genuine curiosity, then you can tell yourself the truth about how these decisions are impacting your results. And there will be times where you make decisions that don't support your results. 
and you still might like your reason, and that's okay. But what isn't okay is making decisions, beating yourself up for them, and making them again because you haven't figured out how to overcome the obstacles and make a new one. And the reason you haven't done that is because the only accountability that you have is judgmental and shitty. And you don't learn anything from being judgmental and shitty. Obsessing over whether or not you're making the right decision leads you into a place of trying to be perfect and that does not exist. So you end up frustrated, but you're not frustrated by the decision. You're frustrated because you're stuck in indecision. Unless it's going to have a huge impact on the trajectory of your life, then stewing about decisions is not helpful. And I would even argue that it's not going to be helpful even if it does have a huge impact on the trajectory of your life. It's just not worth it. Because ultimately, you don't know. You cannot predict the future. You may have an opportunity that sounds absolutely incredible. You might be able to use the information that you already have and make a pretty good guess about how things are going to turn out. I mean, some things are pretty predictable, but you really don't know what's going to happen until time passes and you find out. Planning ahead is a good strategy. Being thoughtful about your decisions is a good way to go. But there's no true certainty of things turning out in the way that you're expecting that they will. It's honestly a false sense of certainty that's giving you the confidence to back your decision. But have you ever wanted something desperately and have it not work out and then later you are so thankful that things didn't go the way that you thought that they should? Have you ever said, I'm so glad that I didn't do that thing, or I can't believe this turned out that way. I had no idea it would be like this. And that is for better or for worse. When Nephi and I decided to move to Texas, we didn't have a savings full of cash and there was no job waiting for me. And I was leaving behind my book of business in the hair salon and he was leaving behind a comfortable job as well. We have four children who were little at the time and the job that was waiting for him in Texas was a receptionist job, which is a good job but it wasn't enough money to really pay the bills and live comfortably. We had the reassurance from those who hired him that the receptionist position was very temporary and that it wouldn't be long before he was doing what he was already doing in Utah, which is why we left in the first place. And so we left our large home that we had built and we moved to Texas. And to do this, we would presumably struggle. And we did. But we made that decision because of what we wanted more. We wanted a bigger life and we trusted that we'd figure it out. We didn't know how, we didn't have the perfect roadmap, but we knew we would make some decisions and we would learn. We wanted to challenge ourselves. We wanted to leave the small town that we grew up in and to see what we could build together. And since that time, we've made millions of decisions. Some of them went really poorly, but they're always the right ones. They're always the right ones because they led us to what was next. They led us to think differently than we were thinking before. They gave us opportunities to assess and grow. And that is still the case today. Not every decision you make is going to work out or feel awesome. Sometimes it's going to feel a little ass clenching and scary. But if you're willing to make a decision, it will only ever be the wrong one if you look away and then repeat it. If it's a decision that feels bad or doesn't work out, that doesn't mean it was all bad or that you gain nothing from it. You always gain from your decisions. So why did I choose 
making decisions and being willing to look at your decisions as the key to a faster transformation. Because the less time you spend in indecision, the faster you're going to learn from the decisions you're making. And not deciding can become a habit that keeps you stuck. If you're trying to figure out whether or not you've had enough food at one sitting, for example, and you aren't sure, then your brain's probably going to tell you all the dreadful scenarios like, you might get hungry too soon, this can't possibly be enough food, you won't get to eat this again later, and you know it doesn't taste good when you heat it back up. Your brain is always going to argue for what you've always done. That's comfortable. When there's uncertainty, it will give you a reason to feel certain. When you go through this list of all the reasons why stopping where you are is a problem, you talk yourself into continuing to eat. Now that is a decision. But if you don't assess that and look at it and recognize what you're doing, then you will continue to build fear around stopping sooner than you're emotionally ready to do. And it will feel like you're putting in a lot of work, but not getting any results from that work. You're just sitting in emotional fear and that is expensive and heavy. But if you just decide that if you're wondering whether or not it's enough, it probably is then you'll know. You'll know because you'll either get hungry well before your next meal or you'll get hungry at the time you're expected to because your next meal is right around the corner. But whether or not you decide to keep eating is irrelevant. That isn't what the right or wrong decision looks like. If you treat it like it's a decision that you make on purpose, that you're paying attention to, then when you start paying attention to how your body feels, You can make a note of that and you can adjust next time. You can say, well, I stopped and I got hungry about an hour later. It probably wasn't enough. It was a good guess. I'm going to have a few more bites next time. Or you could say, you know what? I kept going. I was afraid. I kept going. And now I'm really uncomfortable. I'm a little too full. Next time I hear that voice, I'm going to remind myself that I can stop and I'll eat again when I'm hungry. We often talk ourselves out of making decisions that we're afraid of. We talk ourselves out of deciding at all until a decision is made for us and we feel like we have no choice. We get relief from not deciding and being the victim of the decision being made. You may worry about whether or not you should order dessert, for example, but then someone else at the table orders dessert for everyone and you get relief from not having to say no and having your own back by not ordering any when you weren't hungry. Or you get relief from saying yes and then feeling guilty for ordering dessert even though you wanted it. Because the decision was already made for you, it's out of your hands. You can't let your friend order dessert for the both of you and then not participate because that would be rude. No guilt necessary. No accountability either because it's her fault. You're off the hook. I see this all the time when it comes to people who would like to join the Unstuffed group coaching program. They ask 20 questions about it in the DMs, which I love, by the way. Please ask me questions. They want to know the answers to all the things. I'm a researcher too. I love to know everything about everything if I'm putting my time, energy, money, attention into it. They do this so they can build some certainty around their choice. Again, me too, and I think it's great. But what happens after that? is a mental and emotional delay. Their brain starts telling them that the program is too long. It is 24 weeks after all, that it probably won't work for them because heck, nothing else has. They worry about how much it's gonna cost. 
and how guilty they feel for having to spend money on a program that teaches them how to eat. Shouldn't it be more simple? Their brain comes up with all the excuses and they feel very true. And while everyone's concerns are valid, I want people to feel confident in the decision that they make to work with our team. I know what it feels like to be in that position. I know what it feels like to be at my edge and have to decide whether or not I'm going to take that next step and do the work. If I'm going to put myself in emotional harm's way, take some risks and know that it's possible that it won't work out the way that I think that it should. I've had to do this with my own coaching. I've had to decide whether or not the value that I was seeking was available to me through their programs and their leadership. I've had to decide whether or not it was going to be worth the hard work that I put in in exchange for that money. I've had to negotiate with myself about the things I would no longer purchase in order to afford the solution to the problem that I had. Then I just stop deciding. I don't negotiate with myself anymore. I decide that the decision that I've made is right and that I like it because I will most certainly gain something from it. One of the ways that I might decide is asking myself when I'm scared, is what I'm afraid of worth sacrificing what I stand to gain? Why did I look for this solution? Why do I even care? Why do I want an answer to this problem? Is it worth sitting in my fear and being indecisive or walking away if there's a chance that I could solve it and figure it out. I've had amazing coaches and mentors, and I've had not so good experiences for multiple reasons. We just weren't a good personality match, or it didn't work out for where I was in that stage of my life, and I wasn't ready for the information that they had for me, or maybe I was just further along and it just wasn't as helpful as I needed it to be. But I regret none of them. I don't think about a single dollar that I gave away to that decision, or any time that I had invested in working through it. It was all worth it. I learned a lot about what I did and didn't want and what I was no longer willing to tolerate from myself or anyone else. I grew through every single challenge and every single time that I pushed myself to my edges and took that next step over. It's all been worth it. So after all the DMs and the questions, and going back and forth, and getting all excited and ready to go, and consuming every drop of free content, they wait. They wait until the doors open, and then they wait until the next day, and then the next day, and then the next, until the doors close. They didn't make the decision, and by default, they decided, oh well, too late. I'll sign up next time for sure. I'll save a little more money. The timing will be better, I have a lot on my plate right now. In the meantime, I'll do it on my own. Now, there is nothing wrong with this. The only issue is that you're training yourself not to trust yourself. The long, drawn-out delay, the indecision, tells your brain that you're afraid, that this is scary, that you don't know what to do, that you're confused, that you don't trust yourself to just decide and have your own back in that decision. I use this example because it's on my mind as the doors to Unstuffed are getting ready to open. But this isn't the only place that you do this. And the reason that I wanted to record this episode is not for those of you who are not going to sign up or to try to convince you. I don't actually want to do that because I respect your reasons for not wanting to sign up or for being afraid or for having obstacles. I wanted to record it for the ones that are coming 
Because if you're going to be successful, and I want you to be successful, you're going to want to make decision after decision after decision and learn from each and every one so that you can make progress faster. If you stay in overwhelm and indecision and keep your perfectionistic thinking, then you will slow yourself down. Someone who makes one decision over a long period of time by laboring over it doesn't move the needle very far. Someone who makes multiple decisions in that same time period but doesn't look at them and doesn't learn from them also doesn't move the needle. They just repeat the same shit because thinking is habitual. But someone who is willing to take risks, make some decisions with confidence, and that confidence coming from the fact that you're willing to get it wrong and take a look at it and then learn from it so you stop making that same decision that takes you further away from your goal, you're going to succeed you're going to be the one that reaches the finish line faster than anyone else because you decide and then you stop deciding. You like your reasons and then you assess and you adjust. In Unstuffed, we give you the framework to follow and the tools you need in order to assess these decisions. We give you the support you need in order to adjust and orient yourself back toward your goals if the decision you made takes you away from that. And in working with as many clients as we have, we've noticed some patterns. And because we spend a lot of time studying human behavior, including our own, we know the value of this work, of being able to get out of your own way and just decide. So much of this has nothing to do with what you put in your mouth, but how you think and feel about it, because that is where the real success lives. All right. As mentioned, Unstuffed opens Tuesday, and the first 10 through the door, get a one-on-one coaching call with your coach. I'm a huge fan of group coaching, by the way, in addition to being more economical for our members. In many ways, I believe it's more powerful than one-on-one coaching, but there are times when having a deep dive into your own personal experience is a game changer. At the beginning of your journey is one of those times. Early birds also get a free workshop on how to stop overeating by learning your diet personality type. And if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, make sure you take the quiz. All that is in my show notes. And a chance to win a seriously high value coaching package from Leslie Hooper. So if you are all in for Unstuffed this time, do not wait until the last day to sign up or you'll miss out on all the cool extra shit. And if you have questions, you're on the fence and you want to know if this is the right program for you, email me. I'm happy to help you answer those questions, but only you can decide. All right, that is all I have for you today. If you enjoyed this episode, do the cool thing by leaving a rating and writing a review for the podcast. It helps me so much more than you know. Apple Podcasts especially loves it when people let them know what they're interested in listening to by leaving reviews, and they will show this podcast to more listeners because of your help. So I super appreciate that. A no-cost way to support me in this work is to share it, screenshot it, share it on social media, and of course, tag me so that I can come by and say thank you so much. If you have any thoughts on this episode or questions or ideas for future episodes, or you just want to say hello, my inbox is always open for you. All of my contact information, as always, is in the show notes, and I would love to hear from you. All right. Have a good one. Bye.